Blessed to be gathered this great Sunday morning. Super grateful uh, for all of you. Super grateful for just an amazing week uh, leading up to Christmas. I, uh, I want to just encourage you just for a moment, and, and I want to just brag on uh, this band for just a moment and all of our volunteers. We had an incredible, incredible week. We had a, a Thursday night at the Smoky Mountain Center, and you'll see a, a picture maybe on the screen of our time there where about a thousand people gathered in a time of worship in a community worship uh, service. They were down there on Wednesday setting up and then Thursday, and then we turned around and had a Christmas Eve service in this room uh, the very next night, and then again this morning just doing a, a beautiful job leading us and, and praising our great God. And I'm so grateful uh, for all of them, so grateful for all of you that served uh, and volunteered and just uh, put uh, just yourself out there with just availability and time as we uh, lifted high the name of Jesus. We saw several decisions for Christ on uh, Thursday night. We had uh, folks come to Christ on uh, Friday night here, and we're just rejoicing in all that God is doing, all that uh, he's doing in and through his people here at Coway as we have just leaned in uh, this season and uh, just celebrated the birth of our Savior. The scripture says that Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief, right? And we know uh, that that was the mission. Jesus didn't come to make a holiday. He came to make a rescue. And I'm so grateful uh, that I've been rescued and born again into the family of God. And we're going to look this morning at what it looks like to live in that, right? We're going to look this morning uh, at just a beautiful Christmas passage. We're going to be in 1 John chapter number one. One may sound a little bit uh, awkward for a Christmas passage. Maybe it's not the normal uh, Luke uh, chapter number two, but we're going to lean in there. You can take your copy of God's word and turn there. Uh, super grateful uh, for his word and hope that each of you had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, many of you may have been like me and been up early on Christmas morning putting together a gift. Maybe some of you stayed up late in that kind of uh, preparation. Uh, my father-in-law was with us and I was telling him I was kind of having trouble landing on this final sermon in the series Peace, right? And today we're at letter E. We're excited to be in letter E. We're going to be talking about eternal peace, right? We're going to talk about the gift that keeps on giving. Now, many of us, we open gifts on Christmas morning. We have a good time with that. I love to watch people's face as they open gifts. Now, there's a rule at our house. My little girl, Hope, is crazy over Christmas, and she spends a tremendous amount of time just trying to pick the perfect gift. There's always purpose in it. She is like, you know, I'm just always blown away by the, the intentionality of that. And there's a rule at our house. We open one gift at a time, no matter how many people are gathered there, no matter what's going on, there's only one person at a time opening one gift at a time. And we watch that person open that gift. And I love, I love to watch the faces of people as they receive gifts. Now, every now and then somebody will get a gift and you can tell by their face, you know, that maybe they're not as excited as, uh, as, as they are about other gifts, right? You know, the kid opens their socks and they're like, you know, you can tell that like their parents have prepped them for that, right? There's those kind of moments. You get a gift and sometimes the gift has a message with it, right? The, the greatest gift that we ever received, it had a message with it for unto you this day in the city of David is born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord, right? That gift had a message that we needed a savior, right? There's good news in the midst of that, but there's also bad news, right? It's like if you uh, open up a gift and all of a sudden you open it up and they say, hey, I was thinking of you and I bought this. I hope you enjoy it. And it's mouthwash. Like, you know, like there's a message in that gift, right? That's just kind of how 
uh, that works, right? And some gifts are just funny. Sometimes you play, this one was not a white elephant gift, but, but sometimes you play white elephant and you end up with some crazy things. I've got a toilet golf set. Now, I know Craig Kermay is a golf coach. He may be interested in this. Uh, just to let you know what this wonderful set includes, it says pass away those wasting hours. Now, I don't know what somebody's trying to say about that. <laughs> Refining your putting stroke. This is posterior putt-putt right here. This is a good... Thing. It includes one putter, two golf balls, a putting green, one golf hole, and a do not disturb sign. So just in case you're looking for the perfect gift, right, this could be on the list, right? Now, there's probably people that normally would be here this morning, and somehow, maybe they got a bad gift, right? And they're in the line at Walmart trying to return it because it didn't work out. The kid was real upset. You know, we see those kind of things the day after Christmas. You can always find a return line, right? Because sometimes the gifts that we get... Sometimes we don't want them, so we go and return them. Sometimes the gift that we get doesn't last like we think it would. Anybody had a gift that just broke like on Christmas Day and there's this disappointment in those moments, right? We've seen those kind of things happen along the way. But the reality is that all of us are, is looking for a gift that lasts. We're looking for one that has purpose, one that can be used way longer than Christmas morning, right? That's what's the, the, the blessing of trying to figure out just the right gift because we want to see them use it later. We want to see them enjoy it, right? We want to see them use the gift, right? We want to see them enjoy the gift. We want to see all those kind of things. And the gift that we have in Christ, the gift of Christ, it's eternal. Jesus is eternal. The peace that we have in Christ is eternal. And so today in this final acronym, right, we've been walking through this peace series. We said in the very first week that we saw that the Christmas story uh, tells us the story of the promised Messiah, right? We looked at these Old Testament uh, prophecies and we looked at how every one of those was fulfilled precisely, right? In the place of Jesus' birth, we, we saw the world moving, right? Emperor Augustus has got all those things. He thinks he's in charge, but he is a pawn in the hand of a mighty God that is moving this world into the perfect place, in the perfect timing, in the perfect way that Jesus would enter into this world. So we looked at this promised Messiah. The second week we looked at letter E and we said that the only way anything could happen that way is that we have an extraordinary God, that he is a God that can do all things, right? That he is a God who is greater. He is uh, the creator, sustainer. Uh, he is the, the one that holds this very world into existence. And that same God stepped out from the glories of heaven and took on flesh and dwelt among us. We have an extraordinary God. And we said, you know what? With an extraordinary God, he came on a mission to save sinners. And, and in this this mission that he took on flesh and dwelt among us, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on a cross in our place and through faith in him, we could have peace with God. And the greatest peace that we can have is in the assurance of our salvation, that we know that we have been saved. In First John, we read a few verses in there uh, that day and we read about just this reality that, that we saw these things. John said, I've written these things so that you might know that you have eternal life. And right, our greatest peace comes in that assurance. Last week, we said, hey, you know what? We recognize that as we walk in this new relationship with Jesus Christ, as we live in light of the assurance that we have in our salvation, that we trust in the finished work of the cross and we rest in that, we recognize that that doesn't mean this world's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that everything's going to just be perfect, that we live in an upside down kingdom, right? We live in a world where everything, what it, what it looks like to follow Christ, everything about the Christmas story was countercultural. Everything about what it looks like to be a Jesus follower is countercultural. But I want you to know that the blessings are eternal and the work it, it, when we, we are able uh, to experience eternity and we are able to experience eternal life now. And that's, that's our letter E, eternal. And we're going to talk about a gift 
that lasts. And the question is, how do we enjoy this gift that we have received? How do we enjoy and respond to the gift of eternal life? And I'm going to tell you, we enjoy the gift and we praise the giver. That's what we want people to do when we give them a gift, right? We want them to enjoy it. And then we want them to say, man, I'm so grateful that you thought of me. I'm so grateful that you knew exactly what I needed. I'm so grateful of all those things. And we're going to see in this passage that we that we are to enjoy the gift, we're to praise the giver, and then we are going to see how we enjoy that gift in fellowship with one another and in fellowship with God. The, the thing that the peace of God allows us to do, right? That we are no longer enemies, right? But we've been reconciled, we've been redeemed, and we have peace with God if we are in Christ. That's what it means to have eternal life, right? Jesus is eternal, and he is eternal life, we're going to see in this passage. And we, we are in Christ, we are experiencing eternal life in him. So first John chapter number one. Uh, now we know the apostle John wrote five of the books of the New Testament. We see in his gospel, uh, in, in the book of John, we see him write this book and it teaches us about our salvation. It teaches us how to be saved. It teaches us uh, and allows us to see what Jesus did on the cross. We look at the life of Jesus. We see in his letters, which will be in one of those today, that they teach us about the sanctification that we experience as we walk in this life and what it looks like to know that we're saved and what it looks like to walk in fellowship with him. And then in Revelation, we read about the glorification, right? That we'll experience one day when Jesus returns to rule and reign. We experience those things. Now this book, when John writes these letters, he's addressing a lot of different things. But one of the things that he's addressing is Gnosticism. And so there's this this false teaching that is going on uh, in this time. And the Gnostics believed that they had this superior knowledge. And one of the things, there's a lot of things that they uh, believed about the body and a lot of things they believed about matter and the spirit. But one of the things that they believed, they believed Jesus's physical body was not real. Uh, they, they believed that it only seemed to be physical and that his spirit descended upon him at his baptism and that it left him before his crucifixion. And so this view destroys uh, the, the humanity of Jesus, right? And, and, and when that's destroyed, it destroys the atonement. It destroys the very way that we receive, that we have peace with God because Jesus had to be fully God and fully human, right? A physically real man who actually suffered and died on a cross in order to be an acceptable substitutionary sacrifice for our sin. Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief, right? So we see this kind of backdrop. Now here's how it starts. Scripture says this in John chapter one, I'm going to read verse one through four, pray, and we're going to jump in and dig in. Uh, Let's read these verses together. Scripture says this, what was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. God, we are thankful that out of infinite eternity that you sent your son Jesus to take on flesh and dwell among us into the midst of brokenness. Lord, in the midst of the depths of our sin to die on a cross and be placed in a bar of tomb and to rise from the grave conquering death and sin. And Lord, we are grateful, Lord, that in 
your work, God, in the finished work of the cross, that we have redemption, Lord, that all those who would believe in you, who would trust in you and turn from their sin, God, that they would be made right with a holy God, that they would have peace with God, that they would have a relationship restored, and that they would experience eternal life, not just in the life to come, but beginning in that moment. And Lord, we pray today, God, that if there's anyone here that has never experienced life in Christ, God, that you would draw them in the power of your spirit, God. We read in your word, Lord, that if you were lifted up, that you would draw all men to yourself, God. And you were lifted up on that cross. Jesus died on that cross. He was lifted up, Lord. And we pray, God, in the power of your spirit, God, that you would draw people to yourself. God, that every one of us would walk away this morning closer to you, closer to one another. God, on mission for the glory of your name. Lord, we love you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we read in... Verse one, right? We see this picture, right? He says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard and seen with our eyes. And we read those words from the beginning. And we think about that from the beginning. If we read in John chapter one, verse one, the scripture says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is from the beginning. He is eternal. When we read of the birth of Christ, Jesus didn't begin in the birth of Christ. He existed from limitless eternity and he entered into time and space and took up residence here on earth, right? It's been said that he was older than his mother and he was as old as his father. He was deity, fully God and fully man. And in this passage, he The Apostle John says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. He says, listen, we've seen it with our eyes. We've got this experiential evidence, right? We have seen. He's like, I'm sure that if you ask John to explain everything about uh, the the reality of Jesus being fully God and fully man, there were things that were above his mind's capability to understand. And there are things that that is bigger than our minds to fully grasp, right? We see scholars use words like hypostatic union and we see all these things. But what John was saying, he said, I know this, that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that we saw him, that we beheld his glory, that we, we saw him live his life. We saw him perform miracles. We saw him stretch his arms out on a cross cross and look and, and cry out that father forgive them for they know not what they do we saw him placed in a bar of tomb and we saw him alive and well we saw him we we saw the scars we saw his life right we have experienced him this is the reality he said we saw it with our eyes we heard it with our ears we touched it with our hands he said the word of life right and if you remember a few weeks back we said that jesus was god's revelation of himself he said if you've seen me You've seen the Father. Now, our words, they reveal things about us, right? They reveal what's in our mind. They reveal, the scripture says that it is out of the heart that the mouth speaks, right? So we see that our words reveal those kind of things. And Christ is the word of life and he reveals the Father. Look at verse two. He says, and the life was manifested and we have seen and testify. I love that wording. He says that we've seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now, these are eyewitnesses' accounts. He said, these are things that we've seen, touched, heard. These are things that we've experienced. And we testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now, these are eyewitness accounts, and they were written 
in the time of other eyewitnesses, right? They were written. These are verified. These are things that, listen, this is empirical evidence. And it says this, that Jesus took on flesh, that he dwelt among us. And what do we do in light of that, right? What does it mean? What can we learn from this passage? And I, I think about as we start a new year, what does it look like to respond to this gift? What does it look like to respond to this reality that the, the peace that we have is eternal? What does it look like to live in light of all Jesus has done in our place? And I want to give you three things from, from 1 John chapter number one today in light of Jesus being the only gift that lasts, the only gift that lasts for eternity. What does it look like? to live for him. The first thing I want to encourage us to do in 2022, right? Can you believe we're there beginning today, right? I encourage every one of us to have a desire to know him more, right? This is going to be a real simple message, right? It's going to be a real simple message, but we, we want to know him more. If we'll set out with that this year that says, you know what? I want to do everything that I can to know him more. John and the early believers, they looked upon the son of God and the word that they use for that in verse one, it's a word that's interesting. They said they looked upon him and it's not a word that just simply means to gaze, right? The world kind of gazes on Christmas as it goes by. And Jesus is this little baby in a manger in the midst of all this other stuff. And they kind of glance upon him as he goes by. But this word that's used, it's an interesting word. We'll put a uh, just the word on the screen, but it gives this picture of to gaze and to look upon something for a long time in order to study, understand, and grasp it. So here we get this word in our vocabulary, we get the word theater, and it gives this picture of us looking intensely and earnestly upon something. It means that we are, are desiring to grasp the significance and the meaning. John is testifying. He's saying, hey, me and all the other apostles, he said, we looked upon Jesus, we gazed intently, and we looked upon him in order to understand this is what we look upon him for. We look in his, in his word, and we see Jesus, and we look so that we might understand who he is, we might understand who God is, that we might understand the significance of what he accomplished on the cross, right? We, we look in that way. We read, in, and there's a pattern that we see throughout Scripture. We see it in the Christmas story, right? The message came to the shepherds, right? They heard, for unto you in the city of David is born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so they, they, they gather up for a second. They hear this, this heralded announcement uh, from the angels, right? The host of heaven, glory to God, and on earth peace among men with whom his favor dwells, or with men among whom he is well pleased. And the Bible says that they hurried, right? That they headed out, right? Immediately they said, we're going to go see what's going on here. And they hurried to see what was true. And when they found Jesus, when they saw the baby in the manger, and when they saw that those things were true, right? They, they told of the things that the angel told them. They began to testify of those things. They found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. And they made known the statement with what the angel had been told them. They made those kind of things. And there was something beautiful that took place to all that heard it. The Bible says that all those that were hearing those things, they wondered about the things that they had been told by the shepherds. Mary, it says, that she treasured those things in her heart. But then it said the shepherds went back and they glorified and praised God for all they had seen and heard. And so we see this kind of pattern of them leaning in, right, to see the truth. That They enjoy that. Then they testified of that. They proclaimed that. And then they praised and glorified God. They rejoiced in all they had seen and heard. And, and so we see in this passage, they're leaning in, right? He says all that we've, we've looked upon him, we've learned, we've leaned in. 
we, and we will understand the only way that we will understand and know Jesus at the level that he is allowed and desires for us to know him is if we will spend time. We can't just glance on a Sunday morning. We can't just glance as we run by, but we've got to lean into his word. God has given us his word that he would give us this word that would reveal himself to us. The only reason, the only reason that we know anything about God is because God chose to reveal himself to us. And so we've got to lean into that. So we want to know him more. We want to lean deep into his word. Number two, we want to share him more. Look at this. I love this. We want to share more. Look at verse three. He says, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. I got a wrapper in my pocket. I want to share something to y'all. I love Christmas. Like, like I got this in my stocking and it is a, I'm going to read about it. It is a Reese potato chip big cup. Y'all ever heard of a Reese cup with potato chips in it? I'd never seen that. And so I ate it right away. Like there was a lot of people at my house. I, I did. I, I did. I was pretty selfish about it. I'm not that proud. I probably should repent at the end. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, I ate that thing quick because I never had a Reese cup with potato chips and all those things in it. And that gift, it's not lasting long. Like if we sliver this thing up, y'all ain't getting much. And it took me like half of it to decide if I liked it. You know, you got to get the salt taste. You got to get over the crunchy. I liked it though. I did. I liked it. I taste and see. It was good, right? And, and here's this reality though. When we think about the gift that we proclaim in Christ, it's a gift that never runs out, right? It's a gift that, that never runs dry, right? We don't have to worry about sharing this gift because it is, it is eternal and it's infinite in its goodness. It is infinite. God is is so mighty and so great. The gift of eternal life, it never runs out. And he says, we have proclaimed these things to you also. Verse three, you can put it back on the screen. It says, we have, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. And I love that word, so that, because it tells us why they proclaim it. Now, I love this, right? We're thinking about why do we proclaim this word? He says, we've testified, we've shared all that we've seen and heard. And then he says this, and I love this. He said, so that you too may have fellowship with us. This is a beautiful thing because we're not a country club. Like we're not somewhere that you have to somehow figure out like you're only these certain people can get in. You know, when the message came to the shepherds, he said, it's good news for you. And he said, it's gonna be good news for all the people, right? He said, every people group, there's gonna be a time where every nation and every tribe is gonna gather around the very throne room of heaven. We're gonna worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is not a country club. It's not for an exclusive group of people. There's this reality, right? That we proclaim the good news of, of God, and we desire people to be in fellowship with him. We desire people to be in fellowship with us. And then he says, our fellowship is with God. So we want to be in fellowship with one another in fellowship with God. And there's something beautiful that we see in this, that this fellowshipping and this sharing is connected to our joy. Look at verse three and four together. What we've seen and heard, we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. These things we write, this is crazy, right? He said, these things we write so that our joy may be made full. Amen. So as we lean into this year, we want to know him more. We want to share him more. And we want to enjoy him more. Like Christian people, we ought to be smiling all day long. 
Like, I'm telling you, we, we, ought to, we want to enjoy him more. The, the blessing of being a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, the world, there, there's a, a false teaching out there. You know, in this time, there was this Gnosticism that was out there, and there was this battle against this. There's this false teaching out there that says, hey, you know what? If you're, if you're following Jesus, then you, you're going to, you know, experience prosperity, and that's what God, and God, I'm so grateful that God is, is a, just a loving Father, and he blesses us, and he blesses us to be a blessing, and all those kind of things, but, but the reality is that there. That this, this response, our following Jesus is not reflected in, in prosperity that we experience in this life. And if the gospel won't preach in a third world country where kids ain't got no shoes, then the message won't preach here either, right? This, this is just the reality. It is for all people. And, and when we experience life in Christ, it is eternal life. And there's a joy that is beyond circumstances. And that's the blessing of the Christian life is that we can experience joy that transcends all circumstances. We experience joy that is amazing right? The fruit of the Spirit, right? In Galatians 5, we read the fruit of the Spirit. Does it say anything about prosperity? Fruit of the Spirit's prosperity like we looked at? No. And when, when Mary got her little, you know, you've been favored with God, she didn't get a new camel. She got inconvenience and a difficult life, right? We looked at that in the extraordinary call that she had to follow God and this countercultural life that she experienced. It was not just all these blessings of things that we would call blessings here, but she delivered Jesus to this world, the fruit of the Spirit. Look in Galatians 5. Scripture says this, and notice everything about the fruit of the Spirit's relational. God has intended us to do life together. God has not intended us to be uh, on islands anywhere. He's intended us to be in community, and when we do, we're going to see that joy overflows. Look, he says this, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, Galatians 5, he says, is, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so what we desire in this life is to experience joy. That's the blessing of walking with Jesus. That's the blessing of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that we experience joy. And that joy is experienced in fellowship with one another and in fellowship with the Father. And it can't be found outside of community together. He said, this is the reason that we have shared all these things so that we might have fellowship with one another, and our fellowship was with the Father and with Jesus. And so our hope is that we might share Jesus, that we might share that joy, that we might experience that. And through that shared experience, that we would enjoy him more than ever this year. So we want to lean in and know him. We want to lean in and share him, right? We want to do that together. We want to do that with this world. You know, this morning I was up early this morning and I was just praying and thinking and I had a coffee cup that someone had gave me and, and I, I didn't bring it. I figured I'd drop it this morning, but it was a, a coffee cup that someone gave me this weekend and um, on Friday night, it said pastor on it. And as I, as I was drinking out of it, I was, I was just looking at it and it had just a blessing that from scripture that was on there. And I was thinking about this year and I was thinking about what does it look like for me to walk in this, right? Because Ultimately, when we read the word of God, it's like, what, God, what are you saying to me? What does it look like for me to know you more this year? What does it look like for me to share you more this year? What does it look like for me to be in community with your people, God, with the people that you've entrusted to my care in this church? What does it look like to live in that way? And I was praying. I said, God, what does it look like to be in that kind of fellowship? God, what does it look like for me to enjoy you? This year, like the, the Christian life, it's a life of joy. What does it look like 
to do all that, right? And I began to think as I was holding that cup, I began to think about how we're reading scripture about our cup overflowing, you know, and I was thinking about just being in the presence of God. I was thinking about, they're saying, hey, we do this. And it was kind of crazy. He said, we do this. He said, so that you might have fellowship with us. And I was like, wait a minute. Like, like that's interesting. So they want fellowship with us. And then, they, then he said, because we have fellowship with the Father and with Jesus. And he said, we do these things so that our joy, did you see that? Kind of crazy, right? He said, these things we write so that our joy be made complete. And so, as we have fellowship with one another, and as we experience that, there's joy that's made complete. And it's made complete outside of just my own time away from you guys. And I'm thinking about that. And I got to thinking about the rain, right? I got to thinking about how uh, you get out in the rain and you get like a rain gauge and it's catching all the water. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about what it's like when we gather as the body of Christ, when we gather in corporate worship, when we gather in small groups, when we gather in D groups, when we gather in those kind of environments, and all of a sudden we're experiencing the blessings from other people, right? And I thought about just kind of being out in the rain with my little cup, and I could almost just see that this morning. So I looked up, we use a, a little program called Canva to make graphics, and I looked up rain, and I saw this little girl that was in the rain, and she just looked like she was experiencing such joy. And I was looking at, at this picture, right? And I was thinking about the Christian life and the, and the two people behind her, you've got them with the umbrellas, right? The older folks there like, like me and, you know, they got the umbrella there and they're kind of keeping the rain off, right? Because sometimes, here's the thing, sometimes we're too dignified, right? We're too dignified to enjoy all the blessings that are around us and we're, we're too concerned about looking all this way to ever uh, allow anybody to see that we're impacted by anything. And I saw this little girl dancing and I thought, you know what? I want to be found in the rain, right? That's where I want to be found, where the Spirit of God is, is being poured out, right? Where we read, I read in the, the Word of God where there were times, right, where the Spirit of God manifested Himself in front, in a group of people, right? And people were changed. And, and I'm going to tell you something, there's people that I can get around and I can get around them for just a few minutes, and I can sense, right, that they've been with Jesus, right? You, you remember in, in Acts where uh, they, they were looking and they said, you know, Peter and John, they, they had testified, they said, you know, you can't help but see, right? The ruler said, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with all this stuff and, and all the things that are there. But he said, you can't help but see that those people have been with Jesus. There was something about their life that was overflowing in a way that it allowed everyone to see that they had been with Jesus. And I said, you know what? I want to live in that kind of place where I'm around the people of God and where I'm in the middle of what God is doing and that my cup, here's the way that, that it is designed to look. And I want to give you just a little illustration. And, and parents, family members, I want to encourage you uh, to to lean into this, right? When we dig into the Word of God, we're starting a new Bible reading plan, not this Monday, but the next. And I want to encourage you to jump into that. You'll see paper copies of that. You'll see a, a link on our disciple page, cowie.church forward slash disciple, that you can join in that corporate reading plan. And I want to encourage you that the Christian life is lived in an overflow of relationship with the Father. This is a principle that if we don't get this, we will walk around look, looking like a mule that's been eating sawbriars in a bad mood all the time. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be rough on our families. We're going to eat. Listen, we need men that, that'll get up in the morning, that'll live for the glory of God that'll say, you know what? I'm going to live my life in a way that my life is an overflow of what God's been doing in my life. That's how, you want to know what it looks like to lead a family? Because that's what God has called us as men to do, right? What it looks like is to say, you know what? I'm dependent on Jesus and somehow I want to get in the rain. I want to get in that place where the spirit of God through his word and through my life is being poured out. Then I'm going to 
have my cup filled up to overflowing. And I'm going to live my life in a way that, that when I'm around other people and when I'm around other believers, that's the joy that we experience. And when we experience that from one another, the joy that you've been, he said, here's what God has spoken to me. He said, these things that I've seen, that I've heard, that I've touched, this is the Christian life. As followers of Jesus Christ, we get in his word in the morning and we lean into that. And then as a family that day, my kids have the blessing of saying, here's how Jesus is talking to me. And as I gather with other believers, all of a sudden my cup begins to overflow. And the Christian life is not about me living for Jesus, but Jesus living his life in and through me. And before you know it, instead of the struggle and instead of all these things, like I used to think, you know what, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. Somehow I'm going to live the Christian life. Somehow I'm going to get that. Somehow I'm going to get that. And I was reading John 15. I was reading just of how Jesus said, listen, I am the vine and you are the branches. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But he said, abide into me and you'll bear much fruit. And listen, our job is to hang on to the vine with everything that we have. But the good news is, is that his grip is great and he's holding on to us if you're in Christ. Listen, that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are part of his family. And as we lean into him, the scripture says, if we draw near to him, that he'll draw near to us. That as we live in fellowship with him, that there's an overflow in our life and it pours out into our family. It pours out into our workplaces. It pours out into restaurants. And people look around and they say, I don't know everything about those people that gather in Calway. I don't know those people that gather in churches all over, but I can't help but see that they've been with Jesus. There's something different about them. There's something unique about them. And listen, we lean into that. Jesus is the word that became flesh, the word of life who came in the flesh so that we might have eternal life, that we might experience the fullness of eternal life for all those who would believe. And man, I just want to be in places with my cup up, right? Because you notice the umbrella, it was keeping it off. Like, I just want to be in places with my cup up. Like, I want to get up on Sunday morning and I want to say, like this morning, I mean, I was thinking, Lord, what do you, what do you want to do with this passage? I know I'm supposed to be here. And then I prayed and imagine that. Like I pray, I said, God, what do you want me to do? And, and I feel like the Lord said, just keep your cup up and get in the rain, right? And if you'll just live like that in an overflow of your life will pour out among those that are around you, among your family and among your church. Listen, your job is to abide in me and to get in the midst of the rain and experience the blessing of Jesus in your life. That's what we want to do. And I want to challenge you to get in the rain, keep your cup up, live for the glory of his name and live out of an overflow of what God is doing in your heart and this world be different. You'll have to, it, it may be a little bit, we get a little undignified sometimes. And then we might have to say, you know what Jesus is doing in my life this morning. And we might look uh, a little different from the world, but it's, it's, it's countercultural. But I'm telling you, the peace that we have is eternal. That's the good news of Jesus, right? And that's the call that we might live in the rain with our cups up and an overflow of relationship with Jesus in our families, in our workplaces, in this world. Now, I believe Jesus will do something great. Listen, we want to know him more this year. We want to share him more this year together and with this world. And we just want to enjoy him. Like, let's just enjoy him. You know, we think sometimes we have to figure all this stuff out. We think sometimes that we got to know all these things. I used to think, hey, I, I'm so scared sometimes just, just to let y'all know, like, I'm supposed to know, like, I'm the pastor, right? I'm supposed to know. I'm scared to death when y'all ask me questions. I'm like, man, this could be hard. What if I don't know? 
what if I don't know? Satan, Satan gets that in your mind. Like, what if you don't know? And some of you are paralyzed by that fact, right? What if I say something and somebody asks me a question that I can't answer? What if somebody does that? What if, what if, what if, right? That, that's the thing that Satan wants to get in our mind. And here's what the scripture says. In John's gospel, chapter 10, he said, listen, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy your testimony. And here John's writing in First John and he said, hey, here's, here's what I want to tell you. I can't explain everything. I don't know everything about everything, but I can tell you one thing. This is the God that I've seen and that I've touched and that I've experienced in my own life. And, I, and he, he rose from the grave, right? That's the God that I'm there. I can't explain everything about it, but I know that my Redeemer lives, right? And I'm going to stand for him and I'm going to live for him. And the thief comes and he says, don't say nothing. He said, keep, keep what's in you solid. Keep the umbrella up. You don't want none of that to get on you because look, he, he's acting a fool over there, right? There's something wrong. Listen, we need to experience God in our life. There's more in the midst of what the Spirit of God living inside of us should look like than us with a frown all day long and not sharing the gospel with nobody. We ought to get up every day and get in His Word and thank God that He has revealed Himself through Jesus Christ because He loved us, that He came and He died for sinners of whom I am chief. And then He gave me His Word. Then He allowed that Word to get in my heart. And when that Word would get in my heart, that I'd have something to give my family besides a chewing out. That I'd have something to give my family that would look like like the fruit of the Spirit, that it'd be love, and that it'd be peace, and that it'd be patience, and that it'd be something different because Jesus is on the inside. That's why it's different. It's not anything in me, but it's the life of Him. Right? That's who we're called to be. People that have been changed for the glory of His name that'll get up and say, God, how do you want me to live? God, how do you want me to do? And He said, just abide in me and I'll be in you and you'll bear much fruit because apart from me, you're going to be a joker just like the rest of the world and the world's going to eat you up and the devil's going to keep you down and he's going to say you know what the thief comes not but to steal kill and to destroy but Jesus said some good news at the end of that he said I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundant and I want you to understand something eternal life is not something we get when we leave this place eternal life is something we get when Jesus enters this place and when we are born again into the family of God and he said that life is abundant and it's time that God's people begin to live in the abundance of joy that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, that comes from joy, that comes from abiding in Jesus Christ, that comes with joy from having Jesus Christ on the inside. And as Pastor Chris likes to say, having Jesus on the inside, it makes a difference on the outside. That's what we want to do. So we just want to know him. We just want to share him. We just want to enjoy him. So I want to ask you, I'm going to read couple more verses and I'm done. Scripture says this, and the testimony is this. We got a testimony if we know Jesus, that God has given us eternal life. I love that. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life, and he who does not have the son does not have the life. Then he says, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now listen, if you don't know Jesus this morning, if you've never experienced the blessings of a relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I compel you, right? I beg of you that, that you might just say, you know what? God, I surrender. Right? There's nothing that, that we bring to the table. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? He said, listen, we understand that, that there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is a Savior's been born. The bad news is we need him because we're sinners and broken, separated from God. But the good news is that he loved us anyway. That's the good news. We're justified by faith. And our response is by faith. We believe 
believe and we repent, we receive the good news of Jesus Christ. We receive the gift of salvation. It's a gift that's eternal and it's a gift that'll pour out all over our life as we abide in him. And so if you don't know him, we're going we're gonna to sing, we're going to worship. I, I don't know what the rest of this is going to look like, but we're going we're gonna to worship together. I want to invite you this morning, right, to just be obedient to God. Just, it might be that some of you want to kneel in this altar and say, God, I, I want to live in a different way this year. You know, God, I, I surrender, Lord. I want I, I bet the devil's been beating me down. I hadn't been sharing. I hadn't been living. I've been just in that, and, and I need your help. God, I need your help. I can't get, I struggle getting up in the morning. I struggle being in the Word. There's all those kind of things, right? But there's some of you that need to say, you know what, God, I just can kneel in surrender and dependence on you. Will we just live out of an overflow of what God's doing? Let's pray, and we're going to get Father, we're grateful. God, I'm so thankful. God, for your word. God, I pray, God, that you would allow, God, your spirit, God, to work in us in a way, God, that would be just beautiful this year. Father, I thank you for every person, Lord, that's gathered in this place and that's online. Lord, that's under the sound of my voice. God, I just pray, God, that we would, that we would just lean into the simple truth, Father, that we might just know you more, God, as we lean into your word. God, if we don't know you today, God, if somebody's never, never trusted you, God, they can know you today and they can pass from death to life. Lord, they can experience abundant life right here in this moment. Lord, joy, unspeakable joy that, that overcomes sorrow, joy, Lord, that, that overcomes this weary world, joy that looks beyond the circumstances of this life, trusting in a Savior who gives us eternal life. God, we love you, Lord. We, God, just surrender all to you, Lord. I pray, God, for your will and way in every life. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak and work in the hearts of men in this room, God, that you might call us, Lord, as you've already called us. God, we don't have to wonder what our role is, Lord. You've given it to us in your word. And God, that we might lead sacrificially in our family. God, that we might be people that'll go to bed every day tired because we poured our lives out for our family. God, that, we'll, that, that our families will see the fruit of the Spirit in our life this year. God, that, that our, our workplaces, God, everywhere around, God, they might see joy. God, we love you, Lord. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen.